Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning again. Many of y'all um, asked about how our week went last week. We were down in uh, Florida for a few days celebrating Tiffany's birthday, and we had a wonderful time. Thank you for uh, those of you who've asked, and for those who didn't, that's, that's fine. Totally kidding, totally kidding. Uh, all that being said, I want to take a moment of personal privilege, for uh, a pastoral privilege, honestly, for two things. Uh, first of all, our lay delegate to annual conference, Gwen Hamill, is also a delegate to the jurisdictional conference, which is in the United Methodist Church, the gathering that happens roughly every four years. This one, this year, is a special called session for the purpose of electing bishops. And Gwen will be leaving for general conference this week in North Carolina. So Gwen, our prayers are with you and with the family and Ralph as you're gone traveling. Uh, we know that you will represent us well, and we pray God's mercy is upon you, uh, both for the travel as well as for um, enduring the sessions. Uh, so a couple of y'all picked up on the humor on that. So God bless, God bless you. Gwen was saying that they're going to go 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. this week. So she's going to be very, very busy. Uh, but also, too, uh, you might be aware that our worship leader, Christian, and his uh, now bride-to-be, Morgan, were engaged yesterday. And so we are so, so happy and so thrilled for y'all. Congratulations. Uh, and, you know, when the pastor's gone, you never know what he's going to find. Uh, this morning on my table, I have a guitar pick with a QR code as well as a pumpkin seed. So um, I, if these are gifts uh, specifically for me, I'll, I will decode them throughout the service. Anyway, I'm, all that being said, I'm kidding. Uh, this morning, we are concluding our Scary Bible Message series, and, and I hope that you have found it as helpful and as challenging as I have in developing it and, and delivering it. And so thank you for the comments for that as well. If you happen to have your Hope Church Plus app handy, this would be a great time to go ahead and pull it out. Log in. That way you can get, a, get into the follow-along notes there at the very top of the home screen on the Hope Church Plus app. If you don't have it, we have information in the worship guide about how you can download that. Uh, but there are inserted in each of the uh, info guides this morning, uh, the follow-along notes as well, if you'd like to have those. But last week, we're going to go through this kind of quickly because there's a lot of content today. But last week, we talked about how our corrupted culture wants to pull you away from godly values. Uh, and I used kind of the idea last week talking about how our van needs to have its uh, front brakes resurfaced. And we, whenever we slow down a little bit, we get this wobble on it, right? It's not that anything's wrong, other than it's just kind of out of balance and we have to hold tightly to it. That is the kind of thing that we're seeing happening uh, in our culture right now. There's this cultural wobble, and as a result, there are forces at play trying to slow it down and hold it in place, and they are competing. They are honestly competing with godly values, and so the forces in the world that want to pull us away from godly values are trying to vibrate and shake things harder, whereas God's trying to do the same, like, snap out of it, y'all. But the good news is that when we give our lives over to God, as you'll see at the second point on that screen, God shows up for you in the hot and the hard times. And we read a passage out of Isaiah there that talked about how when the flood, rides, flood waters rise and when the fires blaze, they will not overwhelm us or consume us. And so this is how we move from our corrupted culture into our topic this week, which is called itchy ears. 
a message about truth. Now, one of the underlying threads that has been woven through each of these messages is how the corrupted culture, our bent towards sinfulness, leads us into idolatry. Where, as we talked about the very first Sunday in our series, we talked about how we are prone to begin worshiping the created or the creature as opposed to the creator. And as a result of that, we have, for ever since the fall in the Garden of Eden, we have been worshiping little tokens and trinkets, giving them the power of God over our lives. And so the whole series of Scary Bible 2 has been about trying to convince us that it is okay to have little idols in our lives as opposed to God. And this morning, we're going to look at one idol in particular that runs in direct contrary and contradiction to the concept of truth. And so this morning we're talking about itchy ears, which is, as I said, a message on truth. Now our overarching passage this morning comes from Psalm 119, verse 160. It says, the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Right? So the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Now let's take a look at that word, word, first. You can put that Bible verse back up on the screen if you don't mind. The first idea about the sum of your word is talking about the words that are contained within our scriptures. Now the Psalms are in the Old Testament, so this is predating Jesus, right? But what we see is that scripture tells us from Genesis to the Psalms, etc., etc., that all of this is about helping us to know who God is. And the scripture tells us that God reveals himself through the word as well as through nature. And this is how we can come to see who God is and how God feels about us, which is how we get to the second idea and understanding of the concept of the word. Because in the beginning of the Gospel of John, we see that the word became what? Say flesh. Flesh. The word became flesh. In other words, the word, the truth that is contained within the Holy Scriptures actually took on flesh and bone and moved into the neighborhood, as the message version puts it. Moved into the neighborhood. In other words, God put on flesh. The word of God that spoke creation into being came and lived and reigns and dwells among us. Notice I'm using present tense there besides the word lived because Jesus still lives. He died. He was resurrected never to die again. And so every one of God's righteous rules endures forever. We see that in the living embodiment of the word of God, Jesus Christ, he lives forever and everything that he stood for lives and endures forever. And so all of the truth that we see revealed in the scripture and revealed in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ and the life and the ministry of the church endures for a season. Say no. Endures forever. But as we have seen from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Gethsemane to stuff that's happening in our modern day cultural chaos, we have ever since been wondering if the truth is really true. Remember the essence of the very first temptation that Satan levied upon Eve and Adam. Did God really say? Remember, I try to reference it a lot, but therein lies the heart and the soul of the temptation ever since. Is God reliable? Is God honest? Is God true? And the answer we have to come back to every single one of those is yes. Yes. And so the apostle Paul, when he is out in the 
Gentile territories, which means non-Jewish, right? Not the area in Jerusalem and Judea where the promised land was and the promised people. When the apostle Paul went out, he knew he was going out into the world for the sake and the purpose of professing and proclaiming the good news into uh, people groups that did not have that point of reference, that frame of context Uh, knowing the Old Testament, the scriptures. And so Paul goes into areas that are already struggling with the idea about what is true, okay? So we're gonna read a passage from 2 Timothy chapter four this morning, which is where the apostle Paul speaks into this challenge about understanding what is true. Paul wrote, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who again is the word who will endure forever, amen, right? Who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. And pay attention to this. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, remember that word, and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. This is the word of God for God's people. Let's give thanks to God. Amen. All right, so we're going to look really quickly about what itching ears remember. Uh, What itching ears are, remember that when we look at that word desire, it means a passionate desire for forbidden pleasure. In other words, it's that forbidden fruit. It's the stuff that we know we shouldn't have or consume, but we just cannot not do it, right? It's like me seeing a sleeve of Oreos on the table. Uh, pumpkin seeds don't tempt me, but if it was Oreos, my goodness, well, y'all be in trouble. There'd be cookie crumbs flying everywhere like I was a cookie monster. But what we see when we understand the reality that there are itching ears, we all have them. What this amounts to is a desire that comes to receive massages rather than messages. Sermons that charm rather than challenge, that entertain rather than edify, and please rather than preach. This happens so regularly in our consumeristic culture, is that I want to consume what I want, what makes me comfortable, what makes me happy. And so what we oftentimes find our life is about is consuming rather than committing, right? I want to go to a church or a school or a sporting event or a concert, whatever it is. I want to go someplace where I feel like I'm getting something out of it. I will kid you not. I once upon a time had a lady come to me in the church. She was a committed leader, at least I thought. And this lady said, you know, pastor, we're only going to come to church once every month or so. And so we're going to go to a place where we get the most bang for our buck. I wish I was lying or even exaggerating a little bit like preachers are want to do. That was almost a direct quote. And it just revealed this powerful, potent truth that that is how we often approach church as well as anything else in life. I want to get the most bang for my buck. And as a result, if I go places that seem to make me a little bit uncomfortable, I feel a little itch that got a scratch. I'm going to go to the place that's going to scratch the itch in the way I want it scratched. And we, as human beings, have been doing this since the beginning of our species. Did God really say, I want to get the most 
bang for my buck. And Paul's warning, as we see in First Timothy, or Second Timothy, essentially says that there will be churches and church leaders that are going to cater to that mentality. They're going to cater to that. I would rather you consume than commit. And so that's where he gets this idea about itchy ears. The church will one day contain those who open their ears to those who only would scratch their itch. Now this, my friends, is a challenge for all of us. Because when have you ever been somewhere, I'm not necessarily saying here or wherever, where have you been somewhere where you, you felt challenged? I'm not going back there. Maybe it was bad service at a good restaurant, right? I'm never going back to that place again. I'm going to start going to Taco Bell instead of Crystals, right? You know, whatever it is. That was supposed to be a joke. But anyway, still, we go where we feel we are catered to the most. It's a challenge. Same church. I delivered a message about caring for the poor, the needy, the outcast. Somebody came up to me and, and said, Pastor, I think you had the vision for this church all wrong. We don't need to be going out for the, the outcasts, the poor, the last, the lost, least. We need to be going after the, the powerful, the wealthy, and the well-connected. That's how this church is going to thrive if we go after the popular. And I was like, may I'm not your guy. Turned out I wasn't. That's how I got here. But still, the reality is, um, we face this type of tension even in the church. And it's hard. Because every single one of us have itchy ears. And we have this idea, this mindset, that we want someone or something to scratch that itch. And unfortunately, the scripture tends to be more abrasive than smooth and comfy. It's kind of like what happens when a grain of sand gets inside of an oyster, right? Eventually, those enzymes that are secreted around the grain of sand become a pearl. Jesus talked about how there's a pearl of great price. That when you find it, you're willing to give everything over in order to get it. But it becomes, it seems as though it's abrasive in the very beginning, right? Jesus, I don't think, any coincidence or mistake that he came as a carpenter. He came to plane off those unnecessary ages, edges to sand our rough spots and to assemble us into the body of Christ that we were always designed and intended to be. But the word that endures forever can sometimes be abrasive and uncomfortable. Before we get to that a little bit further, Paul talks about how there is a myth what is the myth? I think the myth refers to that there is no absolute truth. We are in an era known as postmodernism. And what postmodernism teaches is that there is no truth. And when we, there is no truth, we see that long-held beliefs and conventions are disregarded or just cast out because they are no longer convenient for the itching ears, right? And so, as a result, long-term viewpoints are cast out and then new ones are seen as equally valid. And so you should see all these on the screen, right? Postmodernism says there's no absolute truth. We deny long-held beliefs and conventions. And then all of that maintains that all viewpoints are equally valid. That's not exactly what Jesus said, is it? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus defined him, himself as truth. The scripture says that the word reveals 
eternally enduring truths and that he is the only way. All who call in the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Now, for some, that feels like it's a very exclusive statement. But I can't imagine anything being more inclusive than for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So how is it that we live with itchy ears today, succumbing to this pull of postmodernism? The first thing is confirmation bias. Have you ever heard that phrase, confirmation bias? Confirmation bias says that we interpret new evidence as support for my existing beliefs or theories, right? I interpret new evidence as support to believe, for my existing beliefs and theories. It's as though to say that carrot cake Oreos are the greatest Oreos of all time. Now, they may be relatively new, but the current experience that I have of eating my last carrot cake Oreo tells me it's the best Oreo. But what happens when you go back and you eat a traditional Oreo? You know, it's not the best at all. It's just the reality that sometimes the new hot thing has this way of confusing us and confounding us, causing us to want to consume as opposed to commit. Confirmation bias is we see or we hear something that we want to be true so badly that we will ascribe to it eternal and everlasting values. The other thing that we tend to do is called echo chambers. Echo chambers. Are you familiar with echo chambers? It's an environment in which a person encounters only beliefs or opinions like their own. So existing views are reinforced and alternative ideas are not considered. Can you think of a place where we see echo chambers at work so readily in this day and age? Politics? College? Yeah? Social media? Right? It's, you know, you set up your social media feeds so that all you see are people who agree with you and then all of a sudden you believe that there's nobody in the world, at least of any importance, who, you would, who would disagree with you. And then when you encounter someone who doesn't think exactly the way you do, it's like, oh, they got to be bad, right? We see this confirmation bias happen all the time. And it happens in echo chambers. They say, if you don't agree with me, you are wrong. You are an outcast. This is a new phenomenon. Well, relatively new phenomenon. And it's being exploited right now. I'm just amazed, you know, without getting into any of the, uh, the specifics about it, but some of the meltdowns on Twitter because it's going to become a free speech platform. We need proper censoring. In other words, what you're asking for is I want to consume what makes me happy, what scratches my itchy ears, as opposed to making ourselves available and aware that there are other perspectives and options out there that might, yes, challenge our preconceived notions and might cause us to actually ask some questions so go perish the thought but as I said the scripture in the word that endures forever can frequently be abrasive as opposed to comfy there is a passage in John chapter 6 we're going to read it here in just a few moments nine verses a little longer than I typically would do but this is so poignant because what we see here is Jesus having a teaching encounter with some of his disciples. Now, specifically, Jesus is foreshadowing the coming of Holy Communion. And he offers for the very first time, again, John chapter 6, this is fairly early in his ministry, about what he's going to do with the Last Supper and turn it into our last, uh, our great Eucharist, our Holy Thanksgiving, our communion, uh, in the saying that he's going to offer us his flesh 
is our food and his blood is our drink. And people look at him like, are you talking about cannibalism? I mean, the, the Dahmer show wasn't going to come out for a couple thousand years, right? We're not going to get into this now. And Jesus has these words to say. So let's look at John chapter 6, verses 60 through 69. Many of his disciples, again, this is Jesus. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And I love this. Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. <laughs> so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe and he knew who would betray him. Again, connecting what happens at the Last Supper. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Can you imagine walking away from Jesus because of a tough teaching? But then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Even Jesus, the Word, proclaiming the words of God, dealt with people who didn't believe it, couldn't believe it, wouldn't believe it, because the teaching was tough. Because there were things that were offensive. There were things that didn't scratch their itchy ears in a way that brought comfort, but brought discomfort. Again, abrasiveness. This is the scary part of the word that we all have to confront, realize that there are things contained in the word of God that run against what we would prefer them to be. If God would only consult with me on some things, he and I'd probably get along a lot better. But it's not for me to tell God what to do. Like Jesus said here, it's not based on human accomplishment. It's based on our obedience to the word of God, consuming those words and committing our lives to them. Hopefully you see how all this all connects. The apostle Paul wrote these words in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 20 through 25. That is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away any falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. That verse right there brings a beautiful summation to what it is that we've talked about this month. About our tendency to exchange the truth for a lie. To worship the created versus the creator. To think that we can exist in this world apart from our connectivity to God. And how frequently we are given over to that and how the culture will corrupt us by trying to convince us things that we've talked about even this morning, that there is no truth that we can consume as opposed to commit. But Paul says, I want you to commit your life to the truth, to righteousness, to holiness. That just means be set apart, right? You don't have to go around knocking everybody upside the head with the Bible. All you have to do is to live it, be authentic, and be real. And when people ask you about the hope that you have, be willing to share it. Don't, my friends, 
sacrifice on this. One of my more painful moments in my life was when I was in college. I already had a ministry trajectory. I was very involved in my church. I was very involved with the student Wesley Foundation at Georgia State. In fact, I was the president my last two years of college. And one of the guys I actually went to high school with came up to me one day when we were, we were doing, you know, the promotions of student groups and organizations there at the school. And, um, and his last name was Jordan as well, ironically. And he came to me and said, you know, I really struggle with some of these ideas about Christianity. And I hate, even to this day, that I said what I did. I said, oh, you know, as long as you believe in something, that's what's most important. You see, I had itchy ears because I didn't want a guy that I knew from school to judge me or maybe condemn me. But ironically, he came to me. We'd known, we had known each other for years, and here we are in a whole brand new environment in college. And I am overseeing the table at the student group function, and it was unashamedly Christian and Methodist, of all things. And he came to me looking for hope. And I was so afraid of being seen as some whacked out Christian guy. As Oh, it doesn't matter what you believe. Just believe in something. This happens so frequently in our lives, doesn't it? We're afraid of, of being exposed. We're afraid of being revealed. We're maybe even being afraid of receiving a question that we don't exactly know how to answer. I regret that day even still to this day. And I relish those opportunities that I get to share about my hope and my faith in Christ. And I know from personal experience that it can be hard, it can be scary. But if we're going to believe that the word of God endures forever, that Jesus is alive today, and the things that he says, the things that he preaches, the truth that he reveals, these matter. Not some arbitrary, come-and-go type things, but the stuff upon which we stake our lives are what help us to understand that God has an eternal purpose for our lives. And I tell you that, not to be some sacrificial hero, but to reveal the reality that it's so easy for us to be worried about being exposed and feeling vulnerable. But the truth of the matter is that is how God speaks into people's hearts. If people come and ask you, why can you look at the world differently? How can you feel differently with all the chaos and calamity going on? As the Apostle Peter would write, never or always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. We're not always going to get it right. But even in our goof-ups, even in our mistakes, it gives us an opportunity to make it right. To point people to God. And that's ultimately what God wants. So as we bring our Scary Bible message series to a close, I want to remember the five or five pieces of instruction going back to our Second Timothy passage that Paul gave to Timothy. First, share the good news. Don't be ashamed of it because the Apostle Paul said, don't be ashamed of the good news because it has the power to change and transform lives. Be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Like the good scout that you are, right? Be prepared. Have a story ready. Or testimony. That's what it's called. To share how you've witnessed God working in your life. Be willing to correct and direct wrong beliefs and behaviors. 
Notice I didn't say necessarily confront, but if someone comes to you and says something that isn't quite right, correct it, right? One of my favorite ones that's being spun around a lot right now, Tiff and I saw it in a show on Netflix, is, you know, uh, is God powerful enough to create a rock that he can't move? And it's like, well, why would he do that? That's the answer. God's not going to violate his own nature, right? And so correct and direct wrong opinions and beliefs. Encourage people to be more like Jesus. Jesus was so loving, but also so assertive. He wasn't afraid to confront, to correct and direct false teaching, but people felt an immediate comfort level with him. That's something I aspire to be like. To not be afraid to share the good news of God. And then do it all while teaching patiently. Like a teacher with young students. One of my favorite things to see here at Hope Church is the work that our preschool teachers do with the children. During their days. So much patience with snotty noses and messes further south on the body. So much patience when the children are being impatient. When moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas are being ornery or ugly. The patience that it requires to show and share and serve like Jesus is absolutely beautiful and brilliant. And it's a lesson I think all of us need to see and be aware of. And so here's your hope and help as we bring this message in our series to a conclusion, is remember that Jesus is truth. And when he says that those words of God endure forever, he's talking about his own life, his presence and his power with us, as well as the words contained in his book. The next thing I need you to do is recognize deception. Recognize that temptation where you feel to compromise on your values or to slip into patterns of consumption as opposed to commitment. And the last point is to live in the truth and watch spirit work. Live in the truth and watch spirit work. Spirit works in ways that we saw this morning with water that is poured out. It also works in ways like wind billowing in a sail. And so this morning, I pray that we all may ask God to cleanse us again of our sinfulness. And to open our hearts and our lives like the sail to be feel, filled by his Holy Spirit. To be deployed and directed where we need to be. So that we can meet people where they may have some of those spiritual itches. And offer a scratch. Yes, there can be times like I'm experiencing right now on the right side of my head. Where a little scratch like that feels oh so good. But there are also times when the truth as a scratch can be a little abrasive. In those moments... Be gentle, be loving, be assertive, be real, and allow the power and the peace of Christ that transcends all understanding. Fill your life, season your conversation with salt, and enable you to shine like a star in the universe that you are created to be. Amen. I'm going to close this in prayer and ask the band to come and join us on the stage, but also want to offer an invitation that if you yourself are struggling with some of the truths in the scripture and how you might want to experience the scratching of an itchy ear 
I want to encourage you to come and join me here in the front. Let's pray together. You may find some comfort in the scratch that comes, but maybe the scratching itself becomes a little abrasive as well. However it is that God meets you here, know that God is meeting you in love and with hope and with peace. He wants to change your life and lead you in the way of life everlasting. So let's pray for that this morning as we bring our service to a close. Almighty God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, which endures throughout eternity, not just generations or seasons, but it it endures for eternity. And so, Lord God, forgive us for those times when we see things that we don't quite understand, or maybe they make us feel a little uncomfortable, or they appear to be inconvenient. Forgive us when we think that we know better, and help us to embrace the power of your word as we receive your words and allow them to consume us, not just that we consume them, and allow them to lead and guide and direct our lives as we seek to be representatives and ambassadors of faith, hope, and love in this world that needs it so badly. And so, Lord God, whether we find comfort in the scratch or abrasiveness in the scratch as well, help us to know that you are the one who wants us to live for you as you came to die for us and live forever. In the name of Jesus, we all will. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.